Hey everyone, it's Lem here. Before we jump into the episode, uh, I just want to say that we've been having some audio issues recently, if you've heard for the past few episodes, just some crackling sounds that are happening occasionally. Really sorry about that. Working with engineering on it, you might hear it as well in this episode, um, maybe in around three sections. Sorry about that. Hang in there. It's going to be resolved soon. Hey everyone, my conversation today with Kim does mention homophobia, transphobia and suicide. If this raises anything for you, please call QLife at 1-800-184-527 or Lifeline at 13 11 14. And there are also resources in the show notes. There was a whole routine where they, they would say, well, we rebuke the demon of homosexuality in you we mm-hmm. we bind it with the power of Christ cast it out of you to come back to go back to where it came from as you were sitting you're sitting in a you're chair sitting there, people putting their hands on their on your head how many people connection. um two and you're just in like a room in, in the room, church yeah. and they're trying to rebuke Satan out of you yeah a listener production This podcast is being recorded on Gadigal land. We pay our respects to the traditional custodians of this country and elders past, present. We extend our respect to any First Nations, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people joining us today. everyone. Today's episode is a little more, I guess, serious than usual, but I'm sure we'll find something to laugh about. Oh, as if we, we will. We will. <laughs> we will. Um, it's about a topic that I've been meaning to get talk about on the podcast for the last couple of years, but it's been hard to find someone that is able to speak about this, A, because of the trauma that can come from it, but also speak about it with eloquence and understanding from both sides. And we've got the amazing Kim Chemist here. Hello, Kim. Hi. How are you going? Um, and today we're going to be speaking about conversion therapy. It's been recently in the media a bit more. I think it's something that people in the queer community know a lot about and also I guess in the Christian community as well. But it isn't um, spoken about in mainstream platforms that often. So I'm excited to talk to you about it and to get to know your story. I'm excited to tell about it, <laughs> talk about it. Oh, thrilling, really. So you have a really interesting story in that you both trained as a Christian minister, but you also went through conversion therapy yourself. Mm -hmm. So conversion therapy, as I understand it, started in the 70s. Is that? Uh, This, the the current version of it did, yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm sure it's a varied practice, but it can be quite horrific. Um, So uh, at any point, if you want to stop or anything, just let me know. If you have anything you don't talk about, just be like, shut up, Abby. I don't want to talk about that. (laughs) Um, But let's let's hear your story. So you grew up in the Anglican church. Yes. And growing up, what were your views on queer people or queerness in in general in regards to from the Anglican church? Well, uh, the Anglican church in Sydney, where I grew up, is very... um, very down on queer people. Mm-hmm. Homosexuals are bad. Homosexuality is a bad thing. We didn't really get taught about it in church. Mm-hmm. It was just something that was said outside church, not in the so it was unspoken. It was about, unspoken, but right. gays are bad, disgusting, uh-huh. appalling. Uh-huh. Occasionally there'd be something about the time of Mardi Gras. The mm-hmm. minister would say something during the annual sex sermon that he gave every year so that uh, all the young people to behave themselves. Oh, the annual sex sermon? Oh, yeah. What's the annual sex? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. That sounds like my it. kind of sermon, Kim. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I can't imagine. Not quite. No. no, it was just, it would be every year or so, usually mm-hmm. when someone had got busted. Um, oh. 
the um, minister would get up and remind all of the young people how uh, sex outside marriage is bad. Right, okay. And that uh, if you did it, it was just so wrong. Right, okay. You're sinning and you just shouldn't do it. Sex outside marriage is just not on. Okay. So you grew up in St. Anglican Church and that sounds like it was a lot of your community growing up. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was my community, the school and church. Right, okay. And your family were heavily involved in the church as uh, well? Or? I was the most involved. My mum really? went to church. My brothers went to church on and off, mm-hmm. eventually yeah, more off than on. Mm-hmm. And I hung around because it was basically where my friends were. Right, okay. Yeah. So and you would go every Sunday? Oh, every Sunday. Bible study at about 5.30 and then the 7.15 service wow. and then hang around afterwards for coffee. Okay. So was it – love the coffee. Um, so was it <laughs> – It was all for coffee. <laughs> you like, it was like it was Nesca- – it wasn't even Nescafe quality, I can't imagine. Uh, it, it was international roast. Oh, uh, International floor sweepings. Oh, that reminds, me, that reminds me of my grandma, to be fair. So I do like international roast, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but so, so – in what era were you a teenager and when were you kind of discovering your sexuality? Okay. In the uh, in the mid-70s. Okay. In the mid-70s. Early 70s, I was about eight or nine. I realised I had these unusual feelings. Mm-hmm. There's a TV show called The Partridge Family about a family that were a, a pop band. One of the characters in that was played by a guy named David Cassidy, mm-hmm. who was something of a pop star of his own. Mm-hmm. And if I saw a picture of him, I thought, Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I had no other words me. for it. Yeah, right. Yeah. And at the same time, Batman, the TV show, was very big. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had interesting thoughts about Catwoman, Julie right. Newmar. Right. Very skin tight. Right. Look suit. You thought, so, nice. Yeah. You went, nice? <laughs> nice. Nice. nice on <laughs> That's how I feel as well. This cool. My sexual is going, Nice. Nice. <laughs> so, but, but there was no language for you to even exactly. understand what was going on uh, because... Uh, the word bisexual really wasn't spoken about mm-hmm. um, in the public at that time. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have the concept. I sort of came to understand that the feelings I had for David Cassidy were bad. The feelings right. I had for Catwoman were, were pretty good. good. Yep. And that I should aim that way. Mm-hmm. Did you ever express the feelings for David Cassidy? <laughs> Sorry, it sounds like we're talking about your classroom crowd. <laughs> but did you ever express the feelings that you had towards men at all to anyone? Did you ever try and dip your toes in or no. would never even think about it? No. No? No. Yeah, not, not until I was about 15 when I discovered that you could have sex with guys out on the beach. Oh, okay. You know, I grew up at Cronulla. Okay, right. in the right. southern Shire. Okay. Which has got a two-kilometre long beach, three-kilometre long beach. Right, okay. With sand dunes. Right, so <laughs> friction. Um, but so, but so, okay. So, how did you discover that? Did you did you partake, or did you hear about it, or did you? Well, at, at school for sport, one term we used to go and play football on the beach. We mm-hmm. used to go for a run from the beach from Wanda out to Boat Harbour and back, mm-hmm. which would take about an hour. Then we'd play a game of touch on the mm-hmm. beach. I noticed sometimes there were guys up the top of the sand dunes. I thought, I wonder what ah. they're for. And mm-hmm. I know some sixth sense was operating there. Yeah. So on the school holidays, I just wander around down and discover there was a whole new world. Wow. There. And just see what was going on. You didn't. Uh, at first. At first. Okay. At, at first. first. And then and then it progressed. Yeah. But so so you kept that part of yourself a secret from everyone. Obviously, it was. 
I really compartmentalised it. Secret from everyone, I tried to deny that it really happened. Yeah. It's almost secret from yourself as well. Yeah. yeah. You really tried to not even acknowledge that yeah, that part exactly. of you. That's that's yeah. definitely straight. That's just something yeah. that just, just I'm happens. interested. Yeah, that's just, that's just another part of me, another, a hobby yeah. almost. It isn't really who <laughs> I am, but it's just what I might be interested in doing, but I'm not going to really commit yep. to that. Yep. Okay. So throughout this time, you're going to church all throughout mm-hmm. your teen years mm-hmm. and you're, you're kind of interested in the David Cassidy's of the world. Then you're also being promoted to, to want Catwoman and you're going to church. Do you think that's why you lent into church more than your siblings or your family? I've heard of um, one of my favourite podcasts is Dan Savage, who I've had on the podcast. He This morning, actually, I listened to a podcast of his and he was speaking about being a gay Irish Catholic in America in the in the 70s and 80s, he wanted to become a priest because he felt like being gay, he thought the safest way was to just be abstinent and to, and to just become a Catholic so it's not hurt anyone else or not to hurt himself. So do you think that the church was kind of a safe haven for you or was it mainly because of your friends and the international roast? <laughs> <laughs> It was not the international right, road. Was, <laughs> yeah, it was my friends were there. My, my belief system was mm-hmm. based there. It's where I got all of that from. Mm. Um, I'm a spiritual person. Mm-hmm. So there was that really, mm-hmm. the church really fed that in me. It wasn't a place that I could you know, hide my sexuality or protect myself from it. Okay. In fact, it was a pretty dangerous place. Right. In, in what ways? Well, they're obsessed with sex. They are, are they? They're going to get this shit together after 2,000 years. But they, but it's just, they just want to police it and yep. everything. And, and I'm on the spectrum as well, so okay. I have terrible social skills. I don't think so. Well, yeah, years of practice now. Okay. But <laughs> back in the 70s and early right. 80s, I was terrible. Okay. And so you're trying to meet a girl, go out, mm-hmm. negotiate relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and they had their own rules about that, what you can do, what you can't do and that sort of thing, yeah. which we all broke anyway. We all walked around with condoms in our wallets. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Because And also because I went to a Catholic school, right. so I'm more aware of Catholic practices and understanding you know, in Vatican II and all these things. Yeah. Were there, speaking of condoms, were there rules against contraception? And oh, no. With, oh, no, no, they didn't give a fuck. No, no, they don't no, care. They're like, no. strap it up. No. no, they don't care. Okay, so so you're a teenager, you're heavily in the church, you're having these feelings and, the, and experiences perhaps at Cronulla. You're kind of living almost like a double life, yeah. would you say? Oh, definitely. Definitely. And, and did you ever have the hope that you would be able to be out the double life or did you think that isn't even an option, that isn't even a real part of me? It wasn't an option. It mm. wasn't an option and I, you, you get used to it, mm. that living this sort of two separate compartments. Mm. It, was, it was really weird. I don't know if you know the idea of beats, yes. gay beats. Yes, explain where, to the listeners though. Where there are places like parks, public toilets, mm-hmm. great spots like that, mm-hmm. beaches. Romance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moonlight music. <laughs> <laughs> where guys go and meet up for sex. And I went to one of these one night. Sydney in the 1980s was a bit rough for queer guys because there were lots of poofed bashes around. Right. And some of them were roaming in the park that night. So, yeah, I had to run. So people would go to the beats and they would actively search to mm-hmm. bash yep. gay men. Yep. Wow. Yep. And was that, was that a really regular thing? 
Uh, not for me. It only happened twice over That's maybe pretty five regular. Years. Yeah. Twice is pretty regular. Well, okay. N- not compared <laughs> to the ratio, I think. That's what he's yeah, talking about. Yeah, you're going well, but yeah. you know how often I was up these bits. But yeah. they, so that, that's, that's pretty yeah. a, a terrifying and, thing. And one night I just ran out of the park because mm. I was a really good runner. Yeah. <laughs> I never got caught. But I, I went a, a couple of blocks away from the park was a friend's place from church, so I just bolted there. Yeah. So I thought that'll be safe. Yeah. He was having a Bible study. <gasps> So oh, in from the beach. Five minutes before, I'm in there. Yeah. <laughs> five minutes later, I'm in there. Oh, the Bible. A <laughs> <laughs> father who out in Hallow be their name. Yeah, they kingdom come. They will be <laughs> yeah. And that's that's how compartmentalised it was. You wow. go from one world into the other, exactly. just like that. Wow. And, and I guess because it was so segregated, even socially, like it, like it was much probably easier to compartmentalise that part mm, of you because yeah. probably was anyone that you knew out. No. No uh, way. My brother was gay. He was out. Oh, wow. But we didn't get on. Right. So. Um, you didn't feel like that was a safe haven at all. That was no. probably the opposite. Oh, God, no. Yeah. Home wasn't a safe haven at no. all. No. Uh, okay. And what did you, how did your parents react to your brother coming out okay. as gay? Uh, my father passed away when I was 10, I'm so sorry. he didn't actually, wasn't there at the time. Mum was ambivalent, but she didn't do anything. She didn't say anything. She just. Disapproved. Mm-hmm. Right. But she got used to it. Right. Surely. Okay. Yeah. And then, so you saw that and were like, well, it's not the warmest reception. Well, the, the worst awful. thing was my oldest brother, who, my, uh, my oldest brother and my gay brother did not get on and they used to have physical fights. Wow. Okay. So it was like, I'm staying right away from this. Right. You're like, I'm the bisexual. I can, <laughs> I can be both sides of the fence. You were just all, watching yeah. the Partridge Family, really, weren't you? Yeah. you were like, I'm, I'm, I'm busy watching the Partridge Family. <laughs> and Catwoman. Yeah, yeah I can. Yeah, yes, of course. On alternating, on yeah. repeat, just going yeah. either one. But so you're, you're, you know, you, you have these different parts of your life. And in the 80s, it also was the AIDS epidemic. So did that add, I imagine, that also added to the it, stigma and the fear? Yeah, it was... It was a horrible time, not because everyone was scared of getting AIDS, even all the straight guys on you, but we had our condoms, so we mm. were going to be safe. But mm, it, was, it, was, it was difficult because nothing was going to stop me going to the beats mm. um, for obvious reasons. <laughs> I just, just made sure I used a condom, but the, all the messages swirling around, it's like AIDS is going to get you and all that sort of thing. Mm. And then about 1987, I think it was, all of this media started happening where uh, bisexual people are putting AIDS into the straight population because they're having wow. sex with guys and they're going home and screwing wow. their wives and girlfriends. So ugh. I remember there was an article in Newsweek that was saying something like that. I read it, literally read it in a doctor's surgery wow. and I just felt like shit. Yeah. Felt so Being awful. blamed for spreading yeah. AIDS. Wow. So during that time, did you ever contemplate stopping going to the beach or you, you just not, not even? I did it a lot less. Right. Yep. Yeah, because of the fear of AIDS. And was the church having a reaction in terms of their sermons during the AIDS mm, epidemic? Not really. You get a, you got a few people who saying, well, it's you know, God's punishment for being yeah. that sort of thing. But there weren't any sermons dedicated to? No. So no. that's interesting because I feel as though with the Anglican Church from what I'm understanding and also I guess Catholics are a bit more conservative from what I'm kind of 
understand, maybe not, maybe it depends which kind of church you're actually at. But say if you were in a Baptist church or something that was very overtly homophobic or say, having sermons weekly about how disgusting the gays are and how awful AIDS is and it's a punishment from God and fire and brimstone, perhaps maybe you would have not felt as welcome in the church. But it's, I guess, being in the Anglican church where it wasn't as overt, do you think that you kind of weren't, you were able to dissociate that part of you easier? Yes. Because it yes. wasn't overtly yelling at you it that wasn't you're in wrong. Your face all the time. Yeah, and you're going, well, you know, I know that this is an undercurrent, but it's merely an undercurrent. It's yep. not an yep. overt. Mm-hmm. You are bad. Mm-hmm. Who you are, and it isn't like the feeling of reading that newspaper. It's you're going and going. Well, I know that people are whispering about this, but also that isn't that isn't me here. You know, is that is that kind of the experience yeah. of the Anglican Church rather yeah. than the Baptist? Yeah, yeah. And so then you get older and. How did this conversion therapy come about? When did you first hear about oh, it? Oh, gosh. Okay, that was in the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. So how old were you then? I was about to see. Um, I got married, fell in love mm-hmm. with my best friend, oh, which great. is often a dangerous thing to do, but it paid off this time. Great. Um, <laughs> with the woman? With the woman, yes. yeah. yeah. And we got married. Mm-hmm. Um, which is the best decision I ever made. Oh, that's yeah. wonderful. We've been together 36 years. Wow. And eventually I thought, well, I better, so to speak, come straight mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. It's about 1996. Uh-huh. We've been married for six years. Okay. And I said, well, is this part of me that uh, we need to talk about? So you brought it up with your wife? Yep. Okay. Yep. And she was really good about it. Really? Yep. Okay. Really good. So when, so she, and was she Anglican? Was she religious? She, she was religious, not quite as religious as I was, but okay. yeah, she was Anglican and, yeah, but she was pretty cool. She wasn't as enmeshed in the church as I had been. Mm-hmm. So she had far more friends that were outside the church. Mm-hmm. She's a singer. She sang with rock bands. So oh, wow. more interesting people. Very hot. We love. <laughs> so you have this conversation and were you nervous to bring up with her? Were you? Uh, yeah. You were shitting yourself. Just about. Yeah. <laughs> and was there a certain moment that made you go, I need to tell, I need to tell her? Or did you just feel for a little while? Well, I'd, I'd always had, had always had this rule that if I was going to be seeing a woman, I wouldn't be having sex with guys, which I always managed. It was good. Okay. And um, so I hadn't been with a guy since we'd got together. Was that because of the stigma against bisexual people? Do you think how that played into a part of it? Or was it just because you didn't want to cheat? uh, Well, yeah, I didn't want to cheat. Yeah, right. And um, one day he sort of stumbled over a beat that I didn't know existed Mm -hmm. and it had been a while. A nice surprise for you. (laughs) So I sort of fell off the wagon and I thought, okay, I've got to deal with this. Mm -hmm. So I went and had a chat. Right, and you said, did you have the I'm words bi- bisexual then? Oh, yeah. yes. In 96? Yeah, by yeah. then it was, yeah. Yeah, it was understood. a known, understood yeah. term and you knew that's what you were. Yeah. And her reaction was, did you tell her that you had gone to the beat? Or, mm-hmm. wow, that's so brave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't wow. feel brave because it's so terrified. But. Of course, but to say, so you said, I've, I've, I'm bisexual, I've been doing this, you know, before I met you and now I've kind of, as in your words, quote unquote, fell off the wagon. And her reaction was? Well, she was a bit upset because she wasn't expecting it, but she'd say, yeah, I love you, whoever you are, whatever you are. So sweet. Wow. goosebumps. That's incredible. That is the best decision you've ever made, to marry her. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well done. So you came out to her and then, then did you feel like, okay, now I need to get, 
I need to quote unquote fix this. Yeah, because by that stage I was in ministry. I'd been through training theological college and got a degree. I was working at the theological college in administration. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I had a job that I could lose if I got busted. So if you were outed as being gay or or queer, bisexual, you could, they could just go no more, I guess, or sinning? Oh yeah, yeah. If, If I was actively going out and having sex, that would Definitely yeah, right. Okay. All right. And you could yeah. lose your job? Oh, well, I could lose my job because I'm bisexual. Uh, you can still lose your job for being bisexual in New South Wales. Still? Still. Really? Yeah. Okay. Hopefully that will change soon. But Oh, my yeah, God. So really? there's no discrimination laws basically accounting because the Religious Freedom Act? or It's to do with, with religious freedom and also the federal anti-discrimination laws mean that it's illegal. Wow. But at that time, yeah, I could have lost my job if I um, didn't handle it correctly. Oh, my God. Wow. Okay, so you go, I've got thing, I've got my job to lose here. I've kind of been, I guess you would have felt like re-confronted with your bisexuality after yeah. seeing the beat. Yeah. And I think you want to bring all of your part, the parts of your life together mm-hmm. and get them in harmony. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really wanted to do. Okay. So then how did you, had you known about conversion therapy through your training no, in the church? No. Right. No. Okay. I, 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 I've thought about this and I cannot remember how I heard of the group. Really? No. I, I just, whether I saw something uh, written down, a piece of paper or mm-hmm. or someone at work had talked about it, I really don't remember. Wow. But it just you just knew? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I had a phone number to ring. Okay. Yeah. So what is this group that you called? Okay. I, it was called Liberty Christian Ministries. Mm-hmm. They were ostensibly independent of any church denomination, but they were supported very much by the Sydney Anglicans. At this stage, I was no longer a member of the Anglican Church. I'd moved to the Church of Christ, which is a smaller church, mm-hmm. still conservative, evangelical, fairly strict theology. I had this phone number to ring and they said, come in for a, a meeting and we'll have a chat and you know, see what happens. So mm-hmm. I went and met these two people named Chris and Truda, who were lovely people. That's one of the things that I've discovered about this whole business. People in ex-gay ministry, as we called it then, were really nice people with good intentions. They saw this as a mental illness to rid you of? Not a mental illness, but um, just a problem that needed to be resolved in the way we we live our lives. Okay. So you go in, meet these two lovely people. people, (laughs) And they said, yep, you're just the sort of person that could benefit from what we're doing. And so I signed up for an 11-week course. That sounds like a scam, doesn't it? It does. It sounds like an MLM. MLM vibes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't. Um, it was a support group meeting 11 weeks over three months. And did you pay for this? Yep. But okay. it was sort of like a token payment um, so that you'd be committed to it. Right, okay. Because if it was free, you just it's very easy to walk away from it. Right, okay. So that was the thinking behind that. So you'd what meet did, once a week. Sorry. What did they call the 11-week program? Like how did they sort of promote it as? I think the word sexual wholeness may have been thrown around. Right. But really it was sort of the conversion therapy. Conversion therapy. Yeah. We, well, they didn't call it conversion therapy. Yeah, I, I don't remember that. I've blanked out a lot of this. Mm. Yeah, understandable. Yeah. So then you go to these once-a-week meetings for 11 once a week weeks. Once-a-week meetings, yeah. They were every Friday night. There were about... 20 people in the group, male and female. First part of it, we uh, sat around and the first one we went to was in a, a, a church 
in Redfern, middle of winter, freezing cold. Oh, God. First half of the night we um, went and had some prayers and sang some praise songs just like church. Mm-hmm. And then we'd watch these videos, videos done by a man named Cy Rogers, okay. who's pretty notorious now. Uh, he'd been a gay, gay man. I had wanted to transition to become a woman. Okay. In the 1970s. And then the hospital where he had planned to do the transitioning closed their program. Okay. And he saw that as a sign from God that um, he should turn away from the evil homosexual lifestyle. Wow. And live as a Christian. Was he always a Christian? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't recall that. I don't, right. re- don't recall that. Okay. But basically his Christianity saved him. In um, his eyes? In his eyes, yeah. From well, he'd been down a pretty rough road, so it okay. got him out of a lifestyle that was really difficult. Okay, all right. And then he didn't transition? No, he didn't transition, lived and as a man, got married, had children. Right, okay. And then this was his... Kind of ministry. What, what, so, okay, so he, he started this ministry. He, well, not this one. He, his ministry was to go around the world telling people about how you could change your orientation. Right. Okay. And what would the what would these video would they entail? These videos. Well, they were they were just talks of of Cy just talking to a room full of people, saying, "This is what." Homosexual is really about this is why you're broken this way. Okay. What uh, were the theories about why? Oh, it's, it was this thing called uh, reparative therapy. That okay. something needed to be repaired because somewhere in your life there'd been some sort of trauma mm-hmm. or some sort of disruption with your same with the parent of the same sex. Yes, okay. And you were compensating mm. for it by being attracted to the same mm-hmm. sex. So quite Freudian. Yeah. Yeah, that sort of psychology. Right, thinking that you're trying to get closer to someone of the same sex to make up for your childhood wounds. Exactly. Okay. to me that made perfect sense because my dad had died when I was... Yes, of course. Um, Completely ignoring the fact that I'd had these feelings while he was still alive. Yeah, but it's easy to make up that narrative. Yeah, it it was something that explained it, so it made sense. I think everyone, it'd be quite rare to find someone who's had zero mm. trauma with yep. either parent, or you know, or yeah, or yeah, family, like really, like everyone's, even if it's a small thing, like having a father that worked a lot or something, yeah. if, if that's kind of your trauma or your lack of bond, yeah. it'd be very hard to find someone who had a perfect mm. upbringing on, on both, on both sides. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily make you queer. No, yeah. exactly. So it's like, it's kind of like a, I would as like a self-fulfilling prophecy of like, well, if you've had trauma with your, with your father or for lesbians with your mother and you can think back and you can recount your entire life and go, oh, well, you know, yeah, my, my mum wasn't around much or, or my dad, you know, was um, abusive to my, to my mother. So therefore it must be, this is why, and that makes, and this is, this is wrong and this is a trauma response rather than who I am. Yeah. Can, sorry, can I ask about like sexuality and gender? Was there a, a differentiation in these talks? Like, hey, this is the way you feel about somebody or this is the way you want to display your gender or were they kind of both into the same thing? No, it was always about sexuality. Gender really wasn't issue, wasn't an issue for us. Okay. Because uh, we were all happy cisgender. We, we were mm. living the gender that seemed to match with what we'd been assigned to as birth. Mm-hmm. birth so. Okay. So then as this program progressed over the 11 weeks, did you feel any changes in, in how you saw the world? Did you have any quote-unquote progress? I did, yeah. We watched the videos in the first half. In the second half, we had these support groups. Okay. 
all the women would go off into one group, all the men into another group. Mm -hmm. And we'd talk about what we just heard in the videos mm -hmm. and what that meant to us and how it, what we recognised in our own lives. Mm -hmm. And that was really, you know, it was a group therapy mm -hmm. session. So you're productive in, in one way. Yeah, mm. yeah. And it felt good because we had this weird sense of ownership of who we were at last. Right, okay. Because we, for the first time, we were able to openly talk about these feelings that mm. we'd had. Yes. So we could say, this is me. Uh -huh. And so even though... Uh, it's so ironic, this place that was meant to um, stop us having these feelings, mm -hmm. it validated them for us. Yes. It allowed a sense of, I guess not pride, but it allowed a sense of you being able to converge those two worlds that you had spent so exactly. long ignoring and going, oh, but who I am and maybe the messaging isn't that it's okay, but you are relating to others in a way you probably haven't before ever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We wow. were talking about sex. Okay. guys in my era didn't. Yes. Okay, and, and did everyone feel like that was a positive thing? Was there some shame around that? Or what would it take a while for you to warm up to talking about it? It did take a while for me to talk, but the other guys were so open because other guys had been through the course before. Okay, and come so back. This is the second or third time. So th that sort of made it more comfortable to, to talk about what I'd been through. Mm -hmm. Was it almost confession of saying yeah. what you'd done? yeah. Guys would say, oh, I went off to a beat or I met this guy and you know, mm -hmm. sort of thing. And right. Talk about, okay, you know that's wrong. We're not, we're not going to dwell on that. What are you going to do next time something like this comes up? So almost like it sounds like, I mean, I haven't been to any AA or anything, but it sounds like sort of like AA. Yeah, yeah. Where you go and you kind of confess and then, and then speak about... Not that AA is a confession, but you know what I mean? Like you, you say what you've done and you speak about what, how you're going to change your behaviour and it's like you have this support group of like, yep. did you have almost like a sponsor at all? No. No? No. 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 <laughs> no I'm at the beat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I'm here okay. again. So you go through this 11-week program and was anything particularly, because I've heard about conversion therapies that are really particularly horrible and brutal and... Uh, yeah. Well, was there any... There's the stuff that happened outside as well because it wasn't okay. just going there every Friday night. I okay. Because we were all reading books, books with names like Coming Out of Homosexuality. Oh, very, <laughs> very smart. Oh, really <laughs> Very tizzy, tizzy name. <laughs> and also we're off getting counselling. I had this waste of time. Uh, <laughs> Christian counsellor. Okay. Um, trying not to give any identifying okay. traits here so I don't, get sued, mm -hmm. I would have anxiety attacks, which I didn't realise they were anxiety right. attacks at the time. And I'd go and talk to them about them with this counsellor and, and the counsellor would say, well, that, that's God convicting you of sin. So, okay, that's wow. God convicting me of sin. Didn't help me deal with the anxiety the next time it happened. No, it was just but a But there was this real Christian twist on things instead mm -hmm. of a, an actual medical, psychological, therapeutic. Solution or help yeah. at all. No. So you go through the conversion therapy, you get to the end, and you're straight. And congratulations, and, look, and that's yeah. it. And that's at it. The, <laughs> you're fixed. At the end of the first course, we ran it. We literally yeah. ran around going, "We're cured. We're oh, cured." Yeah. Oh, they oh. did an interpretive dance number. Now <laughs> <laughs> I managed to avoid that. Yeah. <laughs> so you so you finish it, and how do you feel? Like there's still work to be done, so I went through it again. Right. Okay. And did it get harder the second time or no. easier? It. I got more used to it and I felt like, yeah, I can do this. I also had this thing and this is where you hear all the horror stories. Yeah. They're not all true, but 
I can understand how it does get extreme. I had this thing called deliverance ministry. Okay, what is that? It's exorcism, basically. You had an exorcism? Mm-hmm. I, went to, I did, did a couple of times with a few different people. Okay, let's talk, talk me through that. I, I haven't thought about this for years because I, I didn't want to. Oh, God. Uh, because I felt so shit afterwards. Wow. But I was thinking about it yesterday and I thought, this is just completely bonkers. Yeah. It's just they, the first thing they would do, they'd sit down and go through your family history and say, have you got any people in the family who committed adultery? Or the first one was, do you have any gay people in the family? Okay. Oh, and you've got... You've got one. one. Yeah. I also had another relative uh, who killed himself because he was gay. Oh, Uh, my God. And uh, then they ask you things like uh, any marital unfaithfulness, adultery, incest, sexual abuse, uh, anyone with alcoholism, any drug issues, and tick enough of the boxes to be interesting Mm. and say, well, these are are ways that um, Satan can get into you. Even if you haven't done it yourself, people other people in. can influence you. And, right, okay. And these are ways that the demons can be in, in you. Incredibly weird. It is. And then they'd sort of start praying that there was a whole routine where they, they would say, well, we rebuke the demon of homosexuality in you. We, mm-hmm. we bind it with the power of Christ, cast it out of you to come back, to go back to where it came from. As you were sitting, you're sitting in a you're chair. You're sitting there, people putting their hands on their he- on your head. How many people? Connection. Um, two. And you're just in like a room in, in the room, church, yeah. and they're trying to rebuke Satan out of you. Yeah. And what are you, what's going through your head? Are you saying I hope this? Are you thinking I hope this works? Are you thinking you're all weirdos? Are you thinking like what, what are you going? You guys are strange. Or are you thinking I hope this is gonna fix me? Yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. Right. I really want this to work. Yeah. I was wondering. Is it real? Yeah. And also thinking how shit it is if I'd let these things into my soul. Mm, well, blaming yourself. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that you allowed Satan and homosexuality into your soul yeah. through. What was their conclusion of how you or they oh, were just do checklists? It was just like you've had all of this stuff happening in your life. Yeah, you've probably got demons. Right, as simple and as that. Yeah, you've had these temptations, they're tempting you. And like Definitely you were weak, demons. is it? Uh, is there any rhetoric about no. you? There's no blaming of you. It's just well, you're sinful, which right. is blaming anyway, because of this whole economy of sin mm-hmm. in the church, mm-hmm. which means you're faulty. It's your fault, and only Jesus can save you. So you're feeling you've got really low esteem to start. With. Right, and so they're exorc- They're doing giving you an exorcism. Yeah, yeah. And did you? Because I've seen. Obviously, I think we've all seen online people speaking tongues, and, and you think. What's going on there? Like, like, are they? Did you did you feel the need to almost put on a performance of like, oh, done? Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys, it's done now. Or it's, how, when does it end? It What's was, the? It was a bit like that. It's like, should I say something? Should I cry or shake my head or you know, throw up like in the movie The Exorcist? Yeah, <laughs> twist my head around. Yeah, <laughs> nothing like that. I thought I'll just do this honestly. Yep. I didn't feel much. I didn't feel like something was happening, but the people were convinced that something was, so I went with it because okay. I just wanted it to work. So that one time or were there multiple times? I did it a couple of times. I did it twice. Right. So after the first time, did, did you go back and say it's not worked or did someone yep. notice and go, we don't no, think it was enough? No, I thought, mm, no, nope, didn't take. No. And There's something still happening. 
At this point because... Because it hadn't gone. Yeah, the the same feeling. feelings. Because yeah. you're trying to monitor and self-regulate your feelings and attractions because you, are you actually going to beats still no. or no, because you don't, you're not cheating on your wife. No. No. So it's, it's entirely for you, not even about the physical action. It's about trying to monitor your thoughts, which is a very yeah. stressful plus, thing. Plus because, yeah, when you try not to think about something, a particular thing, you're going to you think, think about, about it more. Yes. Yeah. So, of course, I was thinking about it more. All the time. Besides the, the, the I guess, even this is the main thing, the shame and the implication for the church, was it actually affecting your life, these, these thoughts of homosexuality? Or was it just that you felt you had to do this to be right with the church? Uh, a bit of both, and they're both related. It was affecting my relationships because I hadn't just come out to my wife, I'd come out to my friends. Mm-hmm. And of course, because they didn't understand what bisexual was, mm-hmm. they all thought I was gay. Yeah. So they were thinking, so, you know, is this, you mean your marriage is over? Mm. Like, no, we're still together. We mm. love each other, but, you know, it's perfectly as it was. Yeah. And like, oh, but you're gay. No, I'm bi. <laughs> no, you're gay. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I just sort of lost that connection with my friends. They didn't really understand who I was, even though yeah. I tried to show myself to them. Uh-huh. And at church, because I was open about it, they started closing me out. The sort of opportunities for service disappeared. Like oh. I'd been able to preach because I was a minister. I was mm-hmm. able to lead communion. And they, they became less and less. Wow. It was sort of like they closed ranks. It's like he's not right. So you were really socially isolated. Yep. And your whole life the church has been your friends and yep. your support system. Yeah. So you're now isolated for being who you are and saying you know, I still have these feelings. Mm. Did any part of you just want to lie and go, oh, I'm cured now, it worked? No, no part of you. No, I just wanted to, I spent so long lying to myself Yeah. about it. I did not want to lie anymore. Oh. And in the 90s, were gay rights kind of being, were they being spoken about more post-AIDS mm-hmm. epidemic? Yes. What, what, so what was happening socially at this time when you're getting the exorcism and... Socially, I think um, AIDS... Uh, had changed the whole epidemic had turned the corner because they brought in the, um, the special therapies that started mm-hmm. working and started fighting it, mm-hmm. and it wasn't a death sentence anymore. Mm-hmm. So that whole attitude to AIDS was working, and they were thinking, yeah, we might actually survive this. Mm. Mardi Gras was still going strong, and there was still opposition from the churches. There were still you know, attempts to get same-sex marriage going. That didn't happen for another 20 years. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much how I understand it. I wasn't closely connected with the gay community at the time. I had gay friends who were very kind mm-hmm. to me, even though I was doing what they thought was extremely weird, but they were really supportive, far more supportive than my Christian friends. Yeah, really? Yeah. In what ways would they support you? They, would... they didn't close me out. Right. They just stayed your friend... Yeah. And so, yeah. wow. Which was the kindest thing they could have done. Mm. How did you meet these gay friends? At conversion oh, therapy? Look, no, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you're all, you're like, wow, actually, we've just started a little pride group. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the first Mardi Gras. <laughs> Are these, a lot of these were long standing friends that we'd met through the music industry, through musical theatre, mm. uh, because, yeah, entertainment. Mm hmm. A lot of queer people in entertainment, mm-hmm. place would fall over if they weren't. I know. Yeah, yeah. All, all um, four of us right yeah. now. All of us going, yeah, maybe all That's four us. of us. It's fine without us. 
And, uh, yeah, and we just kept those friendships going over the years. Mm. So when once you did your two exorcisms and you gone through confession, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Like it's two, so bonkers. It's so bonkers, Kim. It's bizarre. So you've got you've had your conversion therapy yeah. a couple of times. Two times only? Two times. Two times, two times was the was, was the enough. exorcism. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have the two exorcisms. And then and then did you go, this isn't working? How did you get out of this kind of mindset of trying to quote unquote Fix yourself. What was that oh, process like? Long time. Okay. Well, after the second time I went through the course, mm-hmm. they the leaders asked me, "Would you like to co-lead a group?" Okay. And sort of my church ministry was going to be a no-go from now on. Okay. Because I had come out. Okay. So it was going to be you know all I trained for was not going to work. Gone, so yeah. this was really the only option I had. So okay. I thought, yep. And yeah, I. Still do it. I still think it's made a difference to me. Their main qualification was that I hadn't had sex with another man for two years, so okay. uh, I was obviously cured. Okay. Wow. Oh. So um, I became a leader in the group. Wow. And did you say you still do it? Sorry. What did you say you still? What do you? No, you yeah, a I was like, what group. are you? I became a leader in the group. Yeah, but before that, anyway, maybe I missed some, I missed some context or something. I, I was cured. Oh, you were I was cured. Not, you were not cured. That I still do it. No, no. so you, so you were cured and I you were a leader cured. in the group. Yeah. And what did that entail? Uh, being a leader of the Therapy. support groups mm-hmm. on the Friday nights, mm-hmm. um, going out and speaking to churches, mm-hmm. which was interesting. And what did um, you say? Or did you say, hey, guys, I, I'm cured? Telling my story, I was like this, but now God's changed me. I, mm-hmm. I could put it on, but I never liked that sort of, Jesus changed yeah. me, hallelujah. <laughs> Always and, hated that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, did, and so you didn't believe it yourself that you would change. You oh, just no, knew that you I, hadn't did, done. I did think that I was changed. You, oh, that you were cured. You I didn't was think changed because I wasn't outgrowing guys. Right. And, and did, did the thoughts go away because you stopped? No. No, no, no. No, but it, it, they didn't matter. Right, it's like, okay. Oh, that's just a thought. Well, I see women too that I'm attracted to, but I'm not going to jump their bones. Right. But. Okay. All right. So you're going and speaking in churches. In churches. And they were asking, that. there were no boundaries. It was horrific. What sort of questions would they ask? Oh, they, they, they would ask, um, so you're still acting out with men? Mm. It's like, I'd say, no, that's no. why I'm here talking like yeah. this today. But it's like they wanted to hear the dirty details. Mm-hmm, because remember, they're obsessed with sex. I remember one woman um, asking me, what's your type of man? Oh, my God. Fucking, what sort of fucking stupid <laughs> 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 We landed I, the first fucking from Kim. <laughs> so, oh, there'll be a few more by the end of the day. Um, it was just so bizarre. And I thought, I really, I really don't have a type. So I just described her husband sitting next to her. That is, that is the most queer thing you can do. Yeah, you, you basically, you read her. You were like. <laughs> the library is open. <laughs> and uh, one of the other guys said, that's not your type at all. What were you doing there? Oh, my God. <laughs> and we went to conferences. Okay. Because this ministry, Liberty, was part of a worldwide group known as Exodus. Oh, my God. It was part of Exodus. Exodus. So there's a, there's a documentary about Exodus. Is it on Netflix? Netflix. Is it Pray the Gay Away or is that a Pray different away. one? Yeah, Pray, Pray, Pray Away. away. Oh, yeah. So oh, it was I part can tell of, you about that. Okay, yeah. please tell us about that. Okay. So it was part of Exodus and you go to these conferences. Yeah. 
and yeah. you would speak at them or you would, you would uh, attend I was them? Just, I was just there to learn, to network, to talk to other mm-hmm. people, learn how it was done, get encouragement. Right. They were great times. There's one I went to in Brisbane. I actually met the people who'd started Exodus back in the 70s. Yeah. All the leading figures. Cy Rogers was there. Oh, the guy right. who'd done all the teaching. Uh-huh. Really nice guy. Right. Yeah, we, we sat by a pool talking for about two hours one afternoon. Okay. Weren't drinking, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just just having a chat by a pool, we did, sober. We, we met up with, with leaders from all over the country and from uh, America and the UK and mm. we became friends. One afternoon we went to a motel where some of them were staying and they had a bar. Mm-hmm. So this is after the leaders' sessions. We would talk about all the mm. serious, heavy stuff. Yeah. And we go, let's go to the bar. Yeah. So queer people love a bar. Yeah. <laughs> so we sat around in the bar drinking away and I was thinking, oh, that woman who walked in, she's really attractive. Mm. I noticed there's some more sort of butch-looking women around yeah. and <gasps> then the penny dropped. And I, I said to the person, Deb, are we in a... She said, yes, we're in a lesbian bar. <laughs> No, because and you all flocked there unknowingly. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it was like you were, you were, it was crazy. You just all went there and thought, wow, yeah. how we end up at the queer bar? The women picked up on it first, of course. <laughs> yes, of course. They're going, we're in a lesbian bar. So what, in that instance, because I, I... We just laughed and ordered more drinks. Right. And all of you, so all of you are obviously becoming friends. Are you saying that like... I'm not real. Like I, like I'm still having these thoughts to each other. Or are you no. all no, not admitting no. at all to no. And no. do you think everyone else? Well, I guess you can't really be cured, quote unquote, cured, can you? So no. So you still have them. So you, but did you think you were the only one that still had those thoughts? Or I suspected others were like it, mm-hmm. but I decided we're all at different stages yeah. of growth mm-hmm. and development. Right. In the queer bar altogether. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> but wow. there are no lesbian bars, barely any any time, like right now. now. Yeah. You can the barely chances. find some. Have you, right? have you guys found <laughs> a lesbian bar? Yeah, in Brisbane. Yeah. Where was it? We should go and... In, oh, it's, it's not there now. The whole place has not. been bulldozed. I looked it up on Google Maps. Oh, uh, it was sad. at Margate. At Margate? Yeah. Really? Mm. Oh, my God. How bizarre. Yeah. So you're going to... Conf- nowhere. Yeah, you're going to these conferences... You're in the queer bar. You, and, and then at what point are you going, this is not for me? That came the following year when we went to the international conference in North okay. America. And what year is this now? That was 2000. Okay. The American summer of 2000. We mm. arrived in San Diego, mm. got off the train from LA and after the 15-hour flight from Sydney and we thought we were seeing things because there were aliens, all these creatures in green and purple with funny-looking heads. We hadn't realised that they were having Comic Con in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> so they got, okay, San Diego's full of aliens. I love this country. <laughs> so you go there. We go the there. Aliens for this are conference, there. You got the conference. conference. It was also the weekend of Pride. How the hell? You know, what makes it a good idea to have an ex-gay conference? After the weekend well, of Pride. Well, my thought I mean, is everyone that organised it was quote-unquote ex-gay. Yeah. They're mm. actually doing the conference in the day and they're yeah. going to the parties at night. <laughs> well. <laughs> it's not a coincidence, Kim, I don't think. I reckon someone's gone, oh, no, we're here at Pride. And anyway, we uh, went 
the conference was held at a Christian university just out of town and it was all living accommodation. And because it was a fairly strict university, they wouldn't allow dancing. Oh. So you get you get five or six hundred queer people together and they're not allowed to dance. Oh, God, it's hell on earth for us. It's a bit stressful. (laughs) (laughs) That was the final straw. What a nightmare. That was it. They put put on Kylie Minogue. This is the real test. (laughs) (laughs) He's jiggling his hips. He's jiggling his hips. Yeah, you you hear it echoing. Spinning around. And you're like, oh, my God, Kylie's here. It wasn't Kylie. It was Mariachi. Oh. We had this reception barbecue sort of thing one night. And there was a mariachi band playing. Oh, my because God. San Diego, just across the border from Mexico. Of course. So I saw mariachi and margaritas, mm. except we weren't allowed to drink there either. Okay. So why have the band? Kim and just and people tried eyes. to dance. Yeah. And there was an announcement, look, you've got to stop dancing. It's part of the university's rules. Because it was what, sexual? A, Christ, a Christian university, and so dancing was sexual. Okay. Mm. So then you're at this and you're going... This is not for me. I need to no, dance that, with mariachi bread and have a spicy mask. That made me laugh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, what happened? There were lots of talks. I mean, you have something like 100 talks over four or five days here. And it's all people's experiences and their, yeah. and how they lead their yeah. group. And, and things and, like workshops for okay. um, people working through in mixed orientation marriages or okay. um, if you've been a really butch lesbian and now you want to be a really femme straight Lesb- woman, oh. have, have to learn to do makeup. Really? Mm-hmm. Things like that. Wow. To really adhere to those traditional. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But there was a lot of talk um, and it came up a couple of times as that change wasn't really possible. We couldn't change our orientation at all. Right. Okay. Was that validating for you or was that scary yeah, it was a bit for disturbing. you? Yeah. It was a bit disturbing. It was really interesting because on the last day we were sort of waiting to get a cab back to town after the conference had finished and this fight broke out. Two guys were arguing about it. They say, oh, you can change. You can't change. You can't change. I can't change. And and it almost came to blows. Wow. How did you feel after Well, that? I was thinking uh, also one of the Australian ministries, uh, people that I'd knocked around with in Brisbane, they had decided to leave Exodus because they'd decided you can't change. Mm, okay. That if you, yeah, you have to deal with it another way. Okay. It was a bit unsettling mm-hmm. and I sat with it for a while and I thought, you know, well, maybe I hadn't changed and I thought I'd just changed because, you know, I'm bi. Mm-hmm. It's, it's no great problem for me to have sex with a woman and not have sex with a guy. Yeah. And, you know, so maybe I hadn't changed at all. And at the same time I was doing a lot of study and I went back to the Bible as, as evangelicals do and looked at what it actually said in all of the, um, we call them the clobber passages, mm-hmm. the ones that people clobber you over the head with and say, oh. no, you're not allowed to have sex, that you know, homosexuals are doomed for hell and all that sort of uh-huh. thing. And they should be executed, that sort of thing, all the nice stuff. Right, beautiful. I looked at all of those and they don't talk about homosexuality, they don't talk about bisexuality or lesbianism or anything like that. Mm. It's mostly to do with idolatry. Right, okay. The words mean completely different things to what we understand, homosexuality, same-sex attraction. Okay. It's not in the Bible. The Bible does not condemn it. Right. So how did we get here then to be condemning homosexuals? Well, there was one theologian in the fourth, getting all Theobro. No, I love it. I love being Um, a Theobro. I love it. (laughs) 
In the fourth century, fourth century or fifth century, Augustine in North Africa, he decided that um, all of these passages were talking about sodomy. He just decided. Yeah, just said decided. That's the issue. Yeah, okay. and that that just took. Okay. People decided that was what it was about. The word homosexuality didn't even enter in the English. Bible until um, 1947, 1946, I think it wow. was. So it does exist in the Bible now in certain versions yeah, in of the tran- Bible. in translations of the Bible, yeah. Right. And it says that it's a sin and that you should be executed. Yeah, that, meant that, well, that, that you'll be cut off from God. Okay. So you're reading through this and you're going, well, that actually isn't condemned directly. Yeah. Free pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're going, I found a loophole. Oh, I wasn't quite at the free no. pass stage. No, but you're thought, going, okay. Got to rethink this. Yeah. And we'd come to a hiatus where they decided not to hold the support groups mm-hmm. for a while. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't directly doing anything with Liberty. Mm-hmm. And after about a year of this, I thought, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I can. I also found another way of reading the Bible that, that was a lot more positive mm-hmm. about what people are, that we're not full of sin and horrible Yeah. Demons and inherently evil. That, yeah. Well, the Bible says that we're created in the image of God. Mm. You could try and unpack that for hours, but Mm. that can't be bad. Yeah. That does not mean you're evil and sinful. So you have this kind of um, divide between how you used to read the Bible and how you're reading the Bible now. Yeah. And then how did you, then did you just stop going back to lead these groups or what happened? I decided that I didn't agree with it anymore and that I was okay as I was. Wow. Wow, that would have been so freeing. Was it a certain moment or was it just a very slow? It was a slow process. I think I woke up one morning and and I just decided. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. So right now, conversion therapy, I think, still happens. It still happens, yep. And is it in this, I mean, your experience sounds, I mean, I've heard really extreme versions yep. of this. What, what are the, I guess, most extreme things you've heard in conversion therapy? Or have you, like, have you met anyone that's done anything, that's gone through this, that's been... Because it, with this Exodus documentary, it's, it's traumatising to even watch, even to think about. So what, what knowledge do you have about other forms of conversion therapy beyond what you experience? It's very rare, but you do you do hear instances of very brutal exorcisms. But that's very rare. Most of it is just there are there are living programs, okay, where people can go and live for a couple of months, okay, and sort of it's like a straightness boot camp, almost right, where they uh, learn how to be straight and how, why it's wrong being gay, sort of like what we did, only really. Much more intense, much more full on, mm-hmm. and full time. Right, and that's happening now. It does happen, yeah. Wow, and what's o- your view on States, it now? It's totally wrong. Absolutely, it is. People kill themselves over this. Yes, from the shame. Yep, yep. I mean, there were people in the groups that I led that did consider suicide. Wow. Yep, and I have to live with that that I'm partially responsible for that. Um, it, it destroyed, well, what did I lose? I lost my career because after Liberty, I had no options left in ministry, so I had to do something else. I became a historian, which is possibly even worse. Uh, <laughs> 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 it's a lot more fun. Yeah. Um, we know how to party too. Yeah. <laughs> 
But I, I lost the community that I'd grown up in. Yeah. I lost the community that meant so much to me. It was hard connecting with the queer community because I got a lot of, oh, you're not bi. You, that's just a stop on the way to gay. From the queer community. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's still, that's still yeah. really common rhetoric with men particularly. Yes. Yep. And then with women who are um, bi, you're, the default is that you're actually straight. You're just, you're just doing a frolic. In, 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 in queer land. And I think my friends and I were talking about it at a lesbian bar um, after our <laughs> sermon. No, we <laughs> after our, no, we actually were at, um, at a lesbian bar and we were all talking about the default and how patriarchy has affected that and that the default is always that you'll be attracted to men. They're the ah, default right, yeah. mm. and how that can kind of affect that. But with, with men, bisexual, bisexual men, I think are even more so just even today completely ignored. Even like yeah. I went on a date with a bi guy a few years ago and he was really lovely and I was like, yes, I would love to date a queer man. I was excited to tell my friends who, like my straight group of friends who I've kind of separated in my brain. <laughs> I don't see as much anymore. And they were like, he's just gay. Don't get into a relationship with him. He's he's just. Uh, and isn't it interesting that it's, it's still seen that way? It's all based on how you relate to the penis, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Bi guys are really gay. We uh-huh. just want. Penis mm-hmm. by women are really straight. Penis. They just want penis. Everyone's just dying for some penis. It's a bit warped. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is a bit warped. Unless you unless you commit to being um, a straight man, you're committed to being lesbian, like Lem. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it is, it is a weird Lem. one as well. It is a weird one, isn't it? Like bisexual men, they it's hard for them because they've got. You know, like I, I identify as gay and there are other gay, like friends of mine who are gay who say that same thing. It's like a halfway passage to just being gay that you can't just accept that you can like two different sexualities or two different genders. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And uh, there is that sort of discrimination there. Mm. Can I ask, how do you feel now that like you've literally been almost like, I hope that, I'm, I guess a veteran really, like you've gone through the times of like yeah. absolute hate and, and homophobia and transphobia yep. and everything, although this still exists. Mm-hmm. But now you got to see that turning point. You got to see the acceptance. You're on a podcast right now talking about this. <laughs> yeah. Like how, how does that feel for you? I, I, I'm just blissed out, really. <laughs> yeah. There's so much more acceptance than there was. I mean, yeah, there's a lot that needs to be done, but there's so much more acceptance and I feel more comfortable that I can be me. Yeah, I'm so yeah. much more happy than I used to be. As a whole, that self radical self-acceptance would just yeah. be life-changing yeah. for you. Oh, it took a long time. Yeah. Because um, I was yeah, seeing a, a, a counsellor about my sin when it should, I should have been seeing someone about my anxiety. I yeah. went and got help after I got out of liberty. Mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder, mm-hmm. ADHD. Wow, twins. <laughs> <laughs> and and a later I was diagnosed as being on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. All of this stuff, th- that all fed into it, but it was not being dealt with. It was just blamed as a sin or, or a yeah. demon or something. Yeah. Yeah. And something I wasn't spiritual. learning the things I needed to learn. So yeah. I've spent the last 20 years dealing with that stuff as well. Yeah. And try, I guess you would also be blaming yourself for all of those yeah, things. Yeah, and it would because be, that's what you're used to doing. Of course. And everyone else is blaming you and saying, you you know, you allow these demons into you. Do you ever have those thoughts still of a little flash of shame or a flash of... Yeah, the shame goes really deep and it takes a long time to get rid of it. Mm. I feel less and less shame as time goes on. 
occasionally to see and I thought, where the hell did that come from? Yeah. How important so how important was finding a queer because obviously you have a queer community now that you're yeah. involved in. Mm. How important was that in your acceptance? Like imagine it would be pivotal. It was interesting. I work at Sydney University mm. and in twenty fifteen we started a Pride Network and the place is fairly open and accepting of people of all orientations. Mm-hmm. But when that started and I got involved in the Pride Network, my wife said to me after a few months, she said, you're so much happier since that started. And also then a few years later, I went to a conference. There's not much out about bi community. Yeah. There's no real bi community at all. Like there is a gay community or lesbian community. Mm -hmm. And I went to a conference where we had all of these different community groups gathered together. And I went to this this thing called the Bi Coalition session. Mm. And it was the first time I'd been about 80 people in there and we're all bi. Mm. It's like I'd never seen so many bi people in the one place yeah. in my whole life. And it, yeah, I'd come home. Wow. It felt really good. How amazing. And you've just able, been able to grow that self-acceptance and yes. that, and that yeah. queer community. Yeah. Because you're so right that people who are bisexual are, like they are kind of seen as an anomaly amongst queer communities. Like yeah. you can't really almost commit. Like like it's 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 almost like you're seen as a fear of, committing to the, that you're actually queer. And I imagine with you, perhaps people would say, well, you just can't admit that you're gay because of your Christian history or because of your... Do people ever think that about you or am I just projecting onto you? Or am I accusing oh, uh, you of that for the first time ever? <laughs> Sorry, I, I didn't quite catch what well, you mean. like, um, so would people think that you were actually gay but you were saying that you were bi because of your Christian history? They might have. I don't know what people were thinking. I definitely thought I was bi. Yeah, Always. I had the evidence. Yes, <laughs> like Catwoman <laughs> and the party, like from day dot, I was into both of them. Listen the fuck up. Um, wow. I'm so, so conversion therapy now, I think it just recently got, something happened recently. There is legislation currently before New South Wales State Parliament mm-hmm. to ban conversion therapy. Mm-hmm. It's been banned in Victoria mm-hmm. and in the ACT and in Queensland, health practitioners aren't allowed to do anything about it. Okay. And um, Tasmania, South Australia and Western Australia have committed to banning it. Okay. But, yeah, there's uh, legislation at the moment going through Parliament. It may or may not go through, mm-hmm. even though Labor and Liberal have are committed to changing it. Um, okay. the Greens want to get rid of conversion therapy too. Okay. So everyone seems to be in agreement on something. Yeah. That's it's suspicious. just a matter of... <laughs> <laughs> What's going on there, Kim? <laughs> it's politics. I have yeah. no idea. No one does. <laughs> no one has a clue. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens mm. with that. What may happen, uh, like the, the government, the Labor government has been talking about uh, putting up their own bill and a proposed law to get rid of conversion therapy, and they've held consultations on that. And I went to one of those and I think, I can't say very much about it because it, it's really tentative, but... Mm. If they do put up something like it looked they would, it would be very good. It would be a good, strong law. Yeah. Kim, thank you for your story. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you. It was very – w- see, we had a few laughs. Yeah. We had yeah. a few great there laughs. There are more. I could tell you yeah. more stories. Oh, my God. <laughs> conferences. Kim, thank you so much. Thank you. You are incredible. I really, really appreciate your time um, and your thoughts. Thank you. Listener Production.